Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode is brought to you by alienware during dell tech fest score game-changing innovations with limited time deals on select next-gen alienware gaming tech new dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the alienware m18 laptop powered by an intel core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals liquid cooling three-dimensional audio with dolby atmos and impressive overclocking potential your dream setup amazing prices and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. You are you, we hope, still. Uh, and we're glad to hear from you. Uh, whether this is your first time listening to the show or whether this is your millionth time, which would be weird because we're not quite at a million episodes. Regardless, welcome to Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. Calendars are relatively arbitrary things. And in the calendar regime under which we live in this era, we are approaching the end of the year, the penultimate month, the 11th of 12. And what a year it's been. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yep. So <clears throat> let's talk about, let, let's, you know what? I know probably people have already heard some of this, but you haven't heard much about it. Today we're talking about the Dakota Access Pipeline, and you've probably seen it pop up on your news feed, right? You've probably heard somebody mention it in a sound bite. Or DAPL, maybe. Mm-hmm. I know that's been used, uh, the acronym for Dakota Access Pipeline. Or perhaps Standing Rock. I thought DAPL was like the new Twitter. It might be. It's where someone who has a really nice butt dabs 
It's like oh. a dapple bottom. Yep. No, dapple bottom. They're not jeans. all going to work, guys. Hey, anything to get the spirits up. <laughs> so, uh, what is the Dakota Access Pipeline or dapple? It's a 1,134-mile-long to 1,172-mile-long underground oil pipeline project inside the U.S. Now, you heard that those there are several numbers there, and that's because, depending on the source, uh, you'll see different numbers. The pipeline's being planned uh, by a company called Dakota Access. They're a limited liability corporation. They're also a subsidiary of a place called Energy Transfer Partners. This pipeline will begin in the Bakken oil fields, which are located in the northwestern part of North Dakota in the little southeast, as the crow flies, pretty much a straight line, southeast, through South Dakota, through Iowa, all the way to Patuka, Illinois, or Patoka, Illinois, uh, where there is an oil tank farm. This is all going to be happening on January 1st, 2017. That's when the pipeline is due to be delivered a.k.a. completed. As of 2014, people were projecting that the pipe would carry in excess of 450,000 barrels of oil per day. And this is hydrofracked crude oil. Yep, fracking. We're to the F word already this early. The company estimates the pipeline is going to be pretty expensive, $3.7 billion dollars. And a lot of that is going to go to pay landowners who are getting a pipe run through their their private property or having it forcibly purchased from them. And they think it'll create jobs too, probably about 40, which doesn't seem like that many for a four-state pipeline, but... That's the, uh, that's, that's the gist of it. It'll have a lot of temporary jobs that are created also. Here's the deal though. This is the subject of massive controversy. Native tribal organizations, environmentalists, farmers in different states are warning that this pipeline will eradicate history, that it could rain devastation on the local water and soil resources. And supporters of the pipeline argue it's necessary because it will help uh, the U.S.'s chase for energy independence. And just for everyone who is curious about the petrodollar energy independence, oil, and the bizarre messed up things that it makes humans do in this society, do visit StuffThey'llWantYouKnow.com and check out our podcast and videos on the petrodollar, on oil wars and things of that nature. So the big flashpoint for both the opponents and the people in support of the pipeline um, all centers around a place called the Standing Rock Reservation. Um, there are protests in other states as well, including South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois. But Ben, as we are wont to do, shall we give the facts? Yes, here are the facts. The other stuff that we were talking about earlier also factual. I just uh, kind of messed up the notes a little. Uh, so here are the facts. Standing Rock Reservation, as you mentioned, Noel, it has a it has a prominent place in history. It is the sixth largest reservation in the United States in terms of land area. That includes all of Sioux County, North Dakota, all of Corson County, South Dakota, little pieces of Dewey and Zybat counties in South Dakota. And the reservation has a land area of about 9,251-ish square kilometers, 
with, uh, so, uh, a little bit under 3.6 thousand square miles and has a population of 8,250 as of the 2000 census. It officially became, well, these reservations were established in the agreement of 1877. They date back a ways. This is also, uh, the location where Sitting Bull, the famous, uh, elder leader, Sitting Bull had, had his followers performing what is called the ghost dance, which we can go into in a different podcast, but it's an important piece of the history of this country, especially the history that is often not taught to people for one reason or another. That's where this is taking place, and the pipeline is what's being built. Here's where it gets crazy. This pipeline isn't just the subject of controversy. It's the subject of massive protests that are spanning the four states we mentioned, the Dakotas and Iowa and Illinois, and it's spanning the Internet, social media, online forums, different distribution platforms. And while it may seem a flash in the pan to the casual observer, it turns out these pipeline protests date back quite a ways. Yeah, back in 2014 when the pipeline was first proposed or when it was discussed to be uh, a project that would be built, environmental activists uh, began setting up petitions. Uh, they were sent to Iowa Governor Terry Branstad. Uh, they asked him to sign a state executive order to straight up stop the proposed pipeline construction. Then in March and April of 2016, the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, um, the Department of Interior, and the Advisory Council on Historic Preservation came to the Army Corps of Engineers and asked them to conduct a, an environmental impact assessment and then issue an environmental impact statement. Um, and then in following that in April, a Standing Rock Sioux elder established a camp as a center for the cultural preservation and spiritual resistance to the pipeline, and then over the summer, the camp grew. Um, it grew and grew to thousands of people. Yeah, and that elder is uh, LaDonna Brave Bull Allard, I believe, who was Standing Rock's historic preservation officer, or one of them. So in July, the Army Corps of Engineers approved the water crossing permits for the pipeline under what's called a fast-track option, which you've probably heard before in pipeline conversations. And construction of the disputed section of the pipeline continued. So in that same month in July, a group called Respect Our Water with a Z, it's a group of Native American youths, uh, they ran all the way from Standing Rock to Washington, D.C. to raise awareness of the threat to drinking water, not just to their local community, but to everyone who relies on the Missouri and Mississippi rivers for drinking water or irrigation they have more than 100,000 petition signatures that they attempted unsuccessfully to deliver to the White House. Additionally, the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe, they filed a lawsuit against the Army Corps of Engineers. Uh, they were accusing them of violating the National Historic Preservation Act and several other laws. They were arguing that, quote, the Corps effectively wrote off the tribe's concerns and ignored the pipeline's impacts to sacred sites and culturally important landscapes. Mm-hmm. And not casually culturally important. No. Not like the world's biggest frying pan or something. 
In late October, since we are a family show, let's describe it this way. In late October, the S hit the F and armed soldiers and police with riot gear and military equipment cleared an encampment that was directly in the proposed pipeline's path. But why? Why are these people protesting? So many Sioux tribes say that the pipeline is a threat to their environmental and economic well-being um, and that it would actually cause significant damage and possibly even destroy some of their sacred sites. Um, protests at pipeline construction sites in North Dakota started in 2016 in spring and drew indigenous people calling themselves water protectors, which I think is a term that many of you may have heard. Um, uh, some of the Democracy Now! coverage of that, um, the people are kind of dubbing themselves as water protectors mm-hmm. and also the term land defenders uh, from throughout North America and many other supporters. And they created the largest gathering of Native American tribes in the past hundred years of American history, which is fascinating and I think speaks to the, um, you know, severity of the situation as they see it. Yeah. And over 400 people have been arrested. Some of these were planned arrests, meaning that people went into the situation intending to make it inevitable that law enforcement would arrest them. And this is the civil disobedience stuff you hear about, like people chaining themselves Mm -hmm. to, in this case, heavy machinery. Yeah, either forcibly take me off of this thing or you won't be able to get any work done. And let's look at some of the concerns that these people have. We mentioned these sacred sites, but let's explore this a little bit. There are locations with great historical religious significance. According to Standing Rock's historic preservation officer, who we mentioned earlier, LaDonna Brave Bull Allard, We have the quote of the 380 archaeological sites that face desecration along the entire pipeline route from North Dakota to Illinois. Twenty six of them are right here at the confluence of these two rivers. It is an historic trading ground, a place held sacred not only by the Sioux nations, but also by the Arikara, the Mandan and the Northern Cheyenne. The U.S. government is wiping out our most important cultural and spiritual areas. And as it erases our footprint from the world, it erases us as a people. And if we just pause here, while I know it may seem easy for some, especially people who are not, you know, affiliated in any way with uh, Native American populations, while it might seem easy for people to dismiss this as, you know, um, a nomenclature claim or change or something like that, this isn't really an eggs-making-omelet situation. This comes from a group of people who were vilified, suppressed, treated like absolute garbage uh, for centuries uh, by European by by European populations, you know. And in many ways, this could be seen as an extension of it. People driven to reservations and then forced to live within these areas under very, very horrific conditions at times, and now having other pieces of of what what remained being slowly taken away. Of course, you can see this could be considered an existential threat to the culture. And then there's the uh there's the more physical threat of pollution. Yes, there is a very real threat of water and soil contamination. According to the Pipeline and Hazardous Materials Safety Administration, or PHMSA, 
That's a sexy acronym. Oh, it really is. I'm being sarcastic. In case. Well, according to them, <laughs> there have been over 3,300 incidents of leaks and ruptures at oil and gas pipelines since 2010. That seems like a lot. And if you want to, that's according to them via time.com. And if you go to Wikipedia and there are a couple other uh, national transportation government websites you can look at and you can see reports of all of these leaks. And even if you just go back to, let's say, the start of the 21st century in 2000, you can see the tens of thousands of leaks and just terrible things going into the environment that shouldn't be there. Uh, and we have a recent, a very recent example in the Colonial Pipeline, perhaps you've heard of this on your local news if you live in the southeast or, you know, maybe you've heard it somewhere else or read it on Reddit. But there was an explosion there on October 31st and it killed one person and injured five others. But this comes just a month after there was a massive pipeline leak there where 340,000 gallons of gasoline uh, leaked all over central Alabama and it forced the line to shut down for 12 days, and it caused states of emergency to be declared by governors in six states, and gas prices rose throughout the entire region, and it it was very intense. You could even see it here in Atlanta. I don't know if you guys noticed that premium and plus gasoline was unavailable for yeah, a while. More so in, like, in Augusta, for example, where mm -hmm. my mom lives, maybe a smaller area, she couldn't find gas. Like, it yeah. was a big deal. I didn't have any problems here, but it was definitely something that, you know, affected people's day-to-day -day lives. Well, yeah, and the bigger impact is that amount of oil spilling out into natural areas where oil shouldn't be on the surface. Uh, since 2006, the, the company that runs Colonial Pipeline, they have reported 178 spills and other incidents that released a combined 193,000 gallons of hazardous liquids and caused $39 million in property damage. And, I mean, as we know, there are definitely regulations in place to keep things like this from happening. But as we also know, things like this do happen. And it's one thing for a company to be able to make it good over time, you know, with money. But mm -hmm. in the short term, it can totally ruin people's lives. I mean, look at what happened with Deepwater Horizon and how long it took for those people to be made whole. You know, so it's one thing to say, oh, trust us, everything will be fine. Oh, no, we made a mistake, we'll make it right. But the mechanisms in place to make it right do not work particularly fast. Or, well, let's be completely honest. When you say they don't work particularly fast, I would add, or particularly well, there is a established history of private oil companies covering up knowledge that they knew for decades beforehand uh, regarding risk to uh, the environment or to local communities. And there's also uh, just a mountain of stuff indicating that on local state, uh, local and state levels, at least uh, the authorities have colluded in covering up reports of oil spills. And Look, this is throughout the world. Uh, in South America, Latin America, North America, those are the three that I know uh, cases of best, but it it occurs throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And and it could be anything from uh, someone who's building, let's say, a wall or having to dig, and perhaps the pipeline isn't 
labeled correctly or a map is out of date or something to this effect and you just hit it and you, there's a spill. Oops. Or, you know, you have a pipeline that's been there for years and years and it's aging and, you know, uh, it gives way. Right. There, there are a ton of things that these companies have to try and think about and they do think about and they work really hard to make sure it doesn't happen. It's just, it's nearly impossible to not have a leak at some point. Also, I want to, I want to assure you, ladies and gentlemen, these are not rumors. Fracking is a technique proven to have massive potential for danger, which is essentially, you know, what I'm summing up what uh, what we were saying earlier. You can find more information about it on some of our other podcasts, our earlier work, as well as the work of our friends over at Stuff You Should Know. They have a great episode about fracking. I know a lot of people sometimes have a gut reaction when we're talking about preserving the environment. People can say, oh, I don't want to hear this, or we're putting a couple of amphibians and, and salmon and crap in front of real quality of life for human people, right? Like, uh, like jobs, the ability to put food on the table. That is the, that is not what we were talking about today. This isn't some touchy feely hippie hugs and sunshine, hemp rolling environmental idealism bullshit. We're talking about stuff that turns the water flammable, that poisons farmland and can even create earthquakes. Yeah, fracking can <laughs> induce earthquakes. Not as the science isn't conclusive yet, but there's a pretty shocking correlation between widespread fracking and earthquakes. And just to be clear here, that fracking is occurring in North Dakota in the shale areas, right up in north at the, I guess, where the pipeline begins. Mm-hmm. That's where all those that bad stuff is happening. Then it, the gas itself is then moving down the pipeline, and those are, you know, those are also hazardous materials. And at the risk of sounding, you know, like a happy, hippie, sunshine kid, it's just another example of manipulating the earth in ways that we don't fully understand what the outcome will be. Mm-hmm. It's sort of more of like a short, short term. We need this. We're going to take this, but you know, long term consequences be damned despite their best efforts and research. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's still, there's still out there. And of course, is it possible that the technology will improve to the point that it is not as risky? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, is it possible that the price of fossil fuels will lower to the point where it is no longer profitable to pursue this kind of shell technology? Yeah, it's possible. Uh, is it also possible that uh, alternative energy will finally have the breakthrough everybody wants, like solar power, safe nuclear power, wind power, geothermal power? Let me just name them all. Hy- hydropower, hydromancy. Sorry, that's water-related <laughs> magic. But it may as well be at this point because it's just not there. The world, whether you like it or not, runs on oil at this point. Hemp power. Hemp power, yeah. I like, I like the wave technology mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah and uh, it's it, look we made power of love the power of love the power to move you with music soul power hey guys it's 420 right now well yeah it means it's time for a break hey sarah i love that spring break vlog you posted on zigazoo omg you watched it yeah it was edited so well 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating up to eight passengers. Yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know. Taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. And we're back. Let's get into a little bit of nitty gritty here. So the Department of Interior agreed with these statements about fracking, and we have a quote from their earlier report. It goes as follows. The routing of a 12 to 30 inch crude oil pipeline in close proximity to and upstream of the reservation is of serious concern to the department. When establishing the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe's permanent homeland, the U.S. reserved waters of sufficient quality and quantity 
to serve the purposes of the reservation. The department holds more than 800,000 acres of land in trust for the tribe that could be impacted by a leak or a spill. Further, a spill could impact the waters that the tribe and individual tribal members residing in that area rely upon for drinking and other purposes. The emphasis here is mine. We believe that if the pipeline's current route along the edge of the reservation remains an option, the potential impact on trust resources in this particular situation necessitates full analysis and disclosure of potential impacts through the preparation of, again, that environmental impact statement. Um, ben, wasn't there an issue of an easement here? Uh, is this something that we can discuss? I think they were contesting that there was right. an easement. Okay, so, yeah, you're absolutely right, Noel. There's... Uh, what some might call a little more conservative argument against the pipeline here, too. A lot of farmers are concerned about the state's ability to condemn private land for another private entity's use. And this is something we've heard about before, uh, eminent domain. Essentially, a- a.k.a. the the reason that here in the U.S., other uh, other entities can take several feet off a homeowner's front yard to, for instance, um, Embiggen the road. I just wanted to say embiggen to, you know, widen the road. You know, make it more bigly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Don't, uh, please don't make it more bigly. And, uh, and as preposterous as it sounds, it's completely possible for someone who lives next to an expanding road to lose more and more and more of their property each time there's construction. Look, we don't talk about it much here in the U.S., but the ability for someone to own land is awesome and amazing, and it doesn't happen in a lot of other places. In some places, the government owns everything, and all you can do is lease land for a long amount of time. In other places, in parts of the U.S. Are like this, it's impossible for most people to ever have enough money to buy something. You know what I mean? Imagine trying to buy a house in London. Vancouver's really difficult, and those are, you know... Those are relatively uh, similar places culturally to here. But the argument with eminent domain then is this idea, like, do I really own this thing that I bought? Or is it just a situation where we all pretend it's mine until Uncle Sam comes and initially says, hey, We'll give you this much for it. And you say, no, it's not worth that much. And they're like, all right, we'll give you a little more. And you say, no, I just don't want to sell it. And they say, okay, well, we're going to legally make you give it to us. If anyone else did that, that would be a crime. Is eminent domain necessary in many cases? Yeah, you can make a strong argument that it is. That's how cities work. We have to have things like roads and and uh, wiring for electricity and telephone power and utilities and stuff. But how far does that go? How slippery is that slope? That's a that's a very big concern, you know. So we've got these arguments, right? We also see that there have been similar protests in, in, in like in rough rough terms. So. And there have been protests of roughly similar nature in the past. Unfortunately, it very, very rarely ends well. Uh, you can look at, as Matt noticed, noted, uh, South America, Central America especially. And whenever there is a multinational petroleum company involved, there is a possibility that they can simply outperform the 
country's uh, rule of law, especially if it's vulnerable to corruption. So the most conspiratorial aspect of this uh, situation, the they in today's episode of Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, according to many people, would be the mainstream media. And I'm starting to hate that phrase more and more. The mainstream media seems kind of like a, a false dichotomy. We live in a time where everybody can just be an internet connection and a little bit of hardware away from jumping on and creating their own source of information, however pure or however corrupt. Here's the deal. While the protests have drawn international attention, there was limited mainstream media coverage of it until early September. This means that people in other countries knew more about this than people who, you know, live in this country. Very uh, true. Yeah. And in September, it got U.S. attention when construction workers bulldozed a section of land that the historic preservation officers had do- had recently documented as a sacred site. And when protesters entered the area, security workers used attack dogs on them. As well as pepper spray. Mm-hmm. There's video of all of this that Democracy Now! and several other people uh, captured. There's one called Unicorn Riot on YouTube. I know it's a strange name, but you can find lots of on-the-ground footage of of these kinds of uh, occurrences. And, yeah, at least five of the protesters were bitten by these dogs, but very, very strange days. Uh, Also, we cannot ignore the impact of social media. That's something that makes us a little different from the 1950s or other, other earlier protests, similar to the way that Twitter... Depending on your perspective, Twitter either organically encouraged the so-called Arab Spring or was used by intelligence agencies to foment an uprising. But whether it is a tool or simply a medium of effective communication, there's no question that this sort of online um, platform and all its variations of social media has greatly impacted the nature of protest. So in in, in the old days, in the olden days, it was possible for just a few companies to control the narrative of the media. Uh, spoiler alert, they still do. But now, more and more whippersnappers are using their own social media as a source of information transmission. I'm going to drop that accent, but you get the point. Creeping me out, man. I'm creeping me out, too, man. I tremendously enjoyed that, so... <laughs> you know, take that for what you will. That's why we're a system of checks and balances, my friends. So more and more people are using their own social media as a, what would hopefully be a tool for change or a tool to get their, at least their perspective out there. And the biggest example here in terms of the protest is the famous viral check-in at Standing Rock on Facebook. Did you guys do this? My wife did. I did. Did you, Ben? I can't remember if I did. I oh, probably, okay. I probably didn't then because I would have remembered, wouldn't I? Uh, by the time I saw it, so many people had done it too that I wondered, I immediately became kind of contrarian because I wondered if it was helping. And it seems like it, it seems like it is. So maybe I'll wait and then do it later too. 
I was thinking any authority that was trying to figure out who has been checking in would be able just to use location services with phones if they're turned on. And, you know, right, I'm like just GPS. assuming, I'm just assuming that these, you know, <laughs> these authorities have whatever technology the NSA has, which is probably not true. So it probably did help a lot. But what, yeah, but that's the question. How much does it actually help? I'm sure it didn't hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it could have been an example of like a situation where they thought they were really clever. By doing that in the first place, you know, by yeah. kind of turning that on. Cause I mean, you know, social media has, has been, uh, in the last handful of years, an important, um, element and catalyst for protests and organizing people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have a Facebook event page or a group, you know, and people can see that a lot of times, even if they're not a member. So, you know, the powers that be here could have been like, Oh, well, gee willikers, we can totally see who all is there and see who the leaders are and kind of keep tabs on them by monitoring their Facebook groups. And this is just kind of, you know, uh, a show of solidarity on the one hand and also possibly a good smokescreen to kind of keep them from using those tools mm-hmm. against people that are using them to try to peacefully organize. So here's, Oh, sorry. I was going to say oh, one last thing I was going to say that, um, we talked about the democracy now coverage and, uh, one thing that interesting that came out of that, aside from their video getting millions of views showing attack dogs with blood mm-hmm. on their muzzles and, um, Amy Goodman, who is, uh, democracy now's, um, sort of anchor, um, questioning authorities on why they're using these dogs when no one was armed and no one was being overtly threatening in any way. She actually had a, a warrant issued for her arrest, mm-hmm. uh, um, for trespassing, supposedly, and she fought it, and it was ultimately dropped. But it's just kind of another example of intimidation trying to suppress uh, the media and sort of punish them for putting this information out there. And so with that excellent summation, and I, I didn't know about the um, warrant. That's pretty interesting. With that excellent summation, we just wanted to give you some numbers to let you know the scale of this, but there's a further step here we can go down, which is that all social media at this point is privately owned. And that means the business owners can also suppress a story or a narrative they don't care for. And this is, this might be a little bit of, um, what do they call it? Inside baseball for some. But one thing that Noel and Matt and I are all very conscious of is that Facebook really, really doesn't like it if you post a YouTube video. No. Right? And you can talk a little bit about that, right, Matt? Yeah. If you're linking out to any third-party site, generally they dislike it. Um, the strange thing that, that we found, especially if it's a social media site, and YouTube is considered social media. So, yeah. If you want to show people your, your Twitter account or your Instagram page or you know, a video you made for YouTube, yeah, it's not going to happen. You're going to get maybe 1% of the engagement and impressions on Facebook then. And we have so much, we have so much weird fun when we need to point anybody to a specific thing mm-hmm. off of Facebook, but still consider social media. We've had, we've found so many different ways to sort of say, hint, hint, wink, wink, cough, cough, YouTube. Yeah, but they don't work anymore because the algorithms now are checking for mm. like symbolic versions yeah. and, uh, differently spelled. They're evolving like Terminator. Yeah, exactly. We need to come up with a code word that everybody knows that we can use to disseminate information. Yeah, like cheese pizza. I talk about cheese pizza all the time, though. I have an issue. I don't know if I'll be 
the best. Maybe people can send us suggestions. What do you think? Okay, that sounds good. How about a hot dog stand in Hawaii? <laughs> Visit our hot dog stand in Hawaii to learn more about Facebook censorship. Maybe, maybe that'll work. Uh, you know, Facebook, though, beside, aside from the, um, the funny hypothetical examples, it appears that Facebook did censor the Dakota protest and did use their almighty algorithm to game the system. And when they were called on it, they claimed it was an error. And they said the link was removed in error, restored as soon as we were able to investigate. Our team processes millions of reports each week. We sometimes get stuff wrong. We're very sorry about the mistake. Do you believe them? That's up to you. Well, why don't we marinate on that for a second while we take another quick break? Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's kids-safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free what up everyone it's lunchbox from the bobby bone show and i'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was uh, tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. 
It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Welcome back, everybody. So now we're going to get to the future. What What is going to happen with this pipeline in particular? Are these protests going to be successful? Will they just shut down the whole thing, like the Keystone XL pipeline? Is the Earth going to be okay? Well, that's interesting that you would mention that because... You see, uh, the federal government did tell the oil company to pause construction in September. However, according to a report by The Guardian, uh, the project continues despite Uncle Sam telling them to pause it for a second. Not put the kibosh on it, but not to continue. Uh, the Energy Transfer Partners uh, operation says it's mobilizing drilling equipment to tunnel under lake, uh, one of the lakes, which activists say is unconscionable and devastating. And that's the that's the strangest thing, because you would think that when the federal government says don't do this anymore, they would stop. Yeah. Now, on their side, I'm sure there's an argument for how much money they lose each day that they're not doing it. You know what I mean? But if it's a federal, if the federal government tells you to do something, you kind of, you kind of have to, kind of have to. <laughs> uh, and something you mentioned in the video this week, Ben, they released that news on a particular day, didn't they? On election day. Yeah. On election day. Just here slid it through. U.S. presidential candidate. Yeah. And it brings us also to a larger concept here, which is, the future of protesting in general. How will social media affect protesting? We, we've seen it, you know, people, people are able to provide some cover for protesters by being there on social media, even if they're not physically there. People are, of course, able to transmit messages through mediums that are at this point more nimble than the tools of law enforcement. So on a federal level or an international level, many intelligence agencies are very, very good at observing information and sometimes at predicting it, but not quite able to shut it down yet. And there have been controversial moments where, for instance, the Twitter network was shut down in a specific region. The ability to completely shut something down may exist, but Right now, there are literally billions of people who are working to share information. Just the strength of ingenuity coming from those numbers means that social media is irreparably interlinked with protesting, with being able to have an alternative voice to a government or a dominant narrative. But I, I have a question for you guys, too. We've heard the term before, clicktivist, right? Where What, what would we describe a clicktivist as? Or that what that term means. Hey, I clicked a like on a page or I shared something on my social media and I have done action to protest. Now I'm basically Gandhi. Yes. You're welcome. I, I, 
I go back and forth with that term because I think it is kind of unfair to to judge people's intentions that way. You know what I mean? Well, in the very least, it's showing, I don't know, it's making awareness. I guess that is, I mean, that is a real argument. Yeah, it's spreading awareness. like that happens. That's a real thing. And it's a worthwhile thing, too. Uh but there's a there's another aspect here where I can see if people become I, I I think one thing people object about with so-called clicktivism people who are critics of that is they're they're asking what the time span is like are you going to care about this next month next year next week yeah but you'll you'll always remember when those services. Like that do the throwback Thursday thing. Uh-huh. It'll let you know in 10 years that, Hey, on this day, you changed your profile picture to this for this thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I'm just hesitant to, um, I, I'm just hesitant to completely disavow that, you know, because I think that. Oh, I certainly don't. It, I certainly don't disavow it. However, it's, you know, it, it's not physical action. It's not volunteering. It's not going out and doing something. Right. You know, with your, with your hands or, you know, physically making a change, but it is, time. yeah, but it is making awareness, which is, uh, you know, I, I don't think it be, it can be understated that that is important. Yeah. And then this goes to another thing too. And we're talking about this, about this narrative stuff. How can individuals shape the course of a story or an event now when the future protests or even learn of opposing views in this creepy world of algorithm-driven filter bubbles? So, for instance, here's something that you'll probably, you'll probably notice, uh, at least in Facebook and some other, a lot of other social media. If you, if the algorithm has proof that you are a fan of I don't know. What's a random celebrity? Just a random celebrity. Iron Chef Bobby Flay. Okay. You're a fan of Iron Chef Bobby Flay, and Iron Chef Bobby Flay does something uh tremendously controversial, weird, and Gary Busey-esque. And half of half of the world is saying, Yes, Bobby Flay, take it home, buddy. You're you're the future. And, and then the other half say like, Bobby Flay, you're a walking hate crime. You monster. You disgust me. Then what the social media platforms and algorithms will do is look back on your past posting history and say, Oh, well, Matt really, really likes Bobby Flay. So he's on this side of the argument. And what that means is that what you will probably see, which are much more likely to see on your Facebook feed or whatever your, home platform is, it's just going to be all the other people who also think Bobby Flay is God's gift to barbecue or whatever. Giant echo chamber. And you'll miss all the people who might have very valid points about why Bobby Flay is like a monster. <laughs> I don't, you know, if he listens to the show, uh, I, I don't, I don't know you, man. He really messed like. up that pork, whatever he did. He messed it up. But yeah, so are we not hearing things uh, is are we more and more becoming echo chambers? Use the use the right the right thing there, Matt. The right turn of phrase. 
So this brings us to uh, something that's somewhat irritating to me, which is that it's an ongoing event, so we don't know how it's going to end. And we don't have all the information, so it's quite possible that this will come out and then within days something incredibly decisive will happen and we'll need to go back and do an update. But as for now, despite what may or may not be reported by your local news affiliates, there is a massive protest going on, and it's about the future of people who have historically been oppressed with the absolute compliance and at times uh, leadership of our country behind this, behind this practice. And it also goes into the future of protest. And look, it's not even uh it's not even a, a subject of what makes a person a person or how human beings behave in groups so much as it is that technology is disruptive and now more than ever at any point we have this uh we have this situation wherein the old status quo is going to be increasingly fragile it's going to be brittle it's already bending and soon it may break all to say that the future is going to be paved with protest, at least for a time. And possibly, you know, global instability will finally result in the world war people have been talking about, or uh, maybe an admittance that the world war has already begun. And we want to know, of course, what you think. What is the future of protesting? What's going to happen at the Dakota Pipeline? Are you for it or against it? And if so, why? Uh, I'm going to be pretty clear. I usually don't put my personal opinion out here, but look, fracking is, is a dangerous technology that we do not fully control. And for that reason, I do believe it's a bad decision. Is it a necessary evil? Some would argue that it is. At this point, I am not persuaded. And that is, again, just one person's opinion. Are you for it or against it? Uh, and... If so, why? Do you believe that energy independence outweighs the concerns of fracking? Do you believe that fracking itself is an inherently unstable technology? We'd like to hear from you. And again, uh, we can't, I, I can't come up with high enough praise to do the uh, earlier Stuff You Should Know episode justice. They did a really great job with fracking. And uh, what's the best way to get in contact with us? Well, we have several, several options before uh, before a private entity or a government shuts them down, you can contact us both on Facebook and Twitter. But wait, there's more. You can also contact us on Instagram. We are Conspiracy Stuff at most of those, but on Instagram we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't want to do any of that stuff and you want to send us a suggestion, because as you know, if you've listened to this show before, our best ideas come from you guys. So shoot us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at HowStuffWorks.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. 
Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human-moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry radio discover more shows and movies for free 